And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable. The most audible. Hold the applause. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots. Welcome to... So tell me why you mad. Boston Celtics Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packer, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are coming to you a couple days after some, or well, would you describe them as salacious rumors? As some, you're the writer here. What's the adjective to describe the rumors? Explosive that, uh, rumors. The Nets and Celtics in, were engaged. I would say explosive, explosive rumors that the Nets and Celtics have discussed a possible trade involving Kevin Durant and Jalen Brown. Now, the initial report uh, from the Athletics, Sham Sharania, said that the, at some point the Celtics offered Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a first-round pick, and the Nets said no. And that's pretty much all we got. I don't, I don't know what to take of this. It feels like um, when Kevin Durant hit the trade market, I think every single team, if they have a competent GM, likely called up and, and investigated and had a preliminary discussion about kind of what that conversation would look like. But Jay, like I don't, I don't know how to evaluate one how serious these kind of trades discussions were, and two why the information about these trade discussions is coming out right now. I mean, I think there's, like, a lot of conspiracy theories out there right now about why it came out now. I think the the easiest, obvious answer is that Shams got the information and was able to report it at this time. Whether it happened weeks ago, whether it happened days ago, whether it happened seconds before he published his story, um, sometimes information isn't always uh, given to reporters at the same time as it happens, but sometimes it is. Uh, so I don't think there's any big conspiracy theory behind it. I do think the Celtics, like a lot of other teams, of course, like when Kevin Durant requests a trade, every single front office comes together and says to each other, what could we give? What should we give? How are we going to present the Nets with our best trade offer? I think any team with any amount of assets had that conversation. That's just how it goes. He's Kevin freaking Durant. He's going to be 34 years old before the regular season starts, but he's one of the best players in NBA history. I mean, heading into the playoffs last year, there was still like 
most people, I think, thought that he was the best player in the world. Uh, obviously, what happened in that playoff series painted that to some extent. Um, and who knows whether that was the beginning of a decline or just a blip on the radar because he was basically playing solo against the best defense in the NBA. But, like, he's awesome. And so, yeah, you you think about what it would take to get him. Uh, the Jalen Brown thing is obviously interesting that that he's even been discussed in any sort of serious manner is news because, first of all, he could be the best player that the Nets could potentially acquire in a deal. And there are some other guys in that conversation, like Pascal Siakam is up there. Uh, Scotty Barnes, if he's on the table, he's not the best player right now, but he would be the best prospect that the Nets would go after. If he's on the table, I think that eclipses anything that, that Boston could offer just because of his age and contract situation and potential and everything like that. But Jalen Brown is really freaking good. And and then the the other part of that that's interesting, obviously, is that the Celtics just went to the finals. They don't need to search for radical changes. They don't need to search for a huge talent upgrade. They have a team that is championship caliber. And with a few better decisions in fourth quarters during the finals would have won a title. And they got, made that team better by getting Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari. So that, that's another reason why the Jalen Brown thing is interesting is because if the Celtics are serious about that, there's a, there's, there would be a risk to it. And even talking about Jalen Brown, even having Jalen Brown's name surface as a possibility, you run the risk of pissing off Jalen Brown who's very important to your franchise and who clearly is like, they call him one of the pillars and he's, he's clearly obviously that. So the whole thing is kind of a, it's interesting, man. It's really interesting. I I did not expect to be sitting here on July 26th talking about something interesting. It's explosive is what it is. And I think the thing – I think Jalen actually – you do run the risk of pissing him off, but I thought he handled it well. I think it was a quote to Mark Murphy of the Boston Herald, whereas Jalen's like, they were two wins away from the finals. He's happy being a Celtic. But when you're a player at Jalen's caliber, you're going to get mentioned in trades like this, just like it happened with Kawhi and just like happened with Anthony Davis. I think the fact of the matter is it's Kevin freaking Durant. Like, you know his name. It's Kevin Durant. You you have to explore that. And if I was Brad Stevens, I, I would do the trade that was offered or reported on in a heartbeat. Like, if you just can only – if you only have to give up Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a pick for Kevin Durant, that feels like a no-brainer to me. The question is – obviously, the Nets did not want that. The question is, how much are you willing to break up the core of a team that was two wins away from the finals of a team that's like been together for a decent amount of time. It's like, you see other proposals. It's like, okay, that's the the starting trade package. Let's add more draft picks to that. Or let's add Marcus smart to that. Then it feels like it's just like, you're, you're really gambling either 
the entire future away on this Kevin Durant bet, which is not a terrible thing to gamble on, but it's also just like feels unnecessary. Where it's like team like in the past, the Celtics have really needed like that star and they haven't had it. But it feels like Jason Tatum's pretty much there. I don't think he's I mean, he's first team all NBA, but I don't think he's necessarily like a top five player in the game, but he certainly feels like he's on his way to do that. And I just feels like if you're going to add in a bunch of key rotation guys, like let's just say it's Jalen and Marcus and a bunch of picks, it's just like a huge risk that just doesn't feel like they need to take it. Like if they were, if they got bounced in the second round, then maybe you're, you're more likely to do that. And, you know, if Chris Middleton was playing, maybe that happened. But maybe you're, maybe you're just, like, suffering too much from, like, oh, we'll be back to the finals. Kevin Durant and the Thunder thought that when they had Russ and Harden, that they would be back. And so maybe you can never guarantee that. And maybe it's just foolish to imagine that this Celtics team, as currently constructed, is, a, is automatically going to be a contender again. But it just feels like a too much of a panic move to include a bunch of other things uh, to try and get Kevin Durant in here uh, at this time. And I think last year's Brooklyn Nets is a perfect example of just like getting top tier talent on the roster without like a clear roster cohesion or kind of a, everything around that. It's not going to guarantee you success. And so it just doesn't feel like uh, like the wisest move for the Celtics to go all in for Durant at this yeah, it would certainly change the window. Um, and, and I, I, I want to say, like, I'll, I'll put an asterisk even on my quote because NBA windows are always shorter than they appear. Even with the brightest young teams in the league, like, things change quickly, rapidly in the NBA, whether it's because of injuries, whether it's because guys get pissed off and want out, whether it's because of, contract situations that ruin your depth, which which is, I think is a real concern for Boston, by the way. Like, part of the reason the Celtics were so great over the second half of last season is because everybody in the rotation was really good. And Al Horford was a huge part of their Bold take. He's, he's 36 years old, right? And there's no obvious replacement for him. I think Grant Williams could step into a starting role, but that's not the same. It's not the same. And then, like, you lose a lot as soon as Horford either is off the team or what. Then Grant Williams is going to have maybe an extension this summer. His money's going to change. Jalen Brown could be – he could become Supermax eligible in two years or or one year. Like, two years from now is, is when it could kick in. Um, and then all of a sudden, the price of keeping together such a deep roster – Changes, And I do think the Boston front office, like if you look at the formula that happened last year, I, I don't want to say it's unsustainable for the long term, but I, there are questions for me about whether like just Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and a, a normal supporting cast could be enough. You know what I mean? Like, like, I think Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant, if you put those two guys with, like, just a random hodgepodge of individuals, you're probably really freaking good. But if you put Tatum and Brown with a random hodgepodge of individuals, like, 
But we've seen it. They've struggled. Um, so I, I do think if you're going to risk it on a guy who is going to be 34 and who has been unhappy in three different places now and who right now wants out with four years left on his contract and is powerful enough to force the Nets to move him. Um, so there are a lot of risks with acquiring Durant beyond just the Celtics have a finals team that they could compete with moving forward. There's also the, the injury history. There's like he, he had the, the torn Achilles in the 2019 finals. He had a knee injury last year that cost him a lot of time that pushed the Nets down the standings that eventually put them into a first-round matchup with the Celtics where they got swept. Um, and so there are a lot – it, it would be risky considering he's one of the best players ever. Like, it's not a home run trade from that perspective. And then Jalen Brown on top of that is eight, eight years younger. And, and so – if you have to give up Jalen Brown, if you have to give up, let's say they have to give up Marcus Smart and several picks, like, that's a lot. And who knows how good Durant will be? Who knows if he'll stay happy in Boston, if he would ever be happy in Boston in the first place? The Celtics are not on his list of teams that he wants to go to that has been reported, at least. Um, so, it's – considering it's Kevin Durant, like – there are a lot more drawbacks than you would think to the possibility of adding him on to a team that just reached the sixth game of the NBA Finals. And even even if they did trade Jalen and Marcus Smart, it, they would still have a pretty deep team. Like, that team would be fully loaded for, for next season. It would be – the starting lineup would be Brogdon, Tatum, Durant, Horford, and Robert Williams. Like, good luck dealing with those guys. But <laughs> giant team. How long? How long would it last? How how healthy could Durant stay? And then the other part of it that I think is certainly worth considering: how would Tatum feel about it? And not just how how does Tatum feel about it now, while he's dreaming about playing with Kevin Durant? You know, but how would he actually feel? playing with a guy who takes his shine, playing with a guy who keeps him potentially, like, out of MVP consideration. Because I think Tatum, if he played the way he did in the second half of last season, if the Celtics are that good, he would be in the MVP talk. How would he feel about a guy who could keep him off first team and all NBA, who could keep him from accomplishing some of the individual goals that he set out for himself? Like, I just think there are a whole lot of dynamics at play here. And for the Celtics, they know how much – those dynamics matter. They lived through Kyrie Irving. They lived through that year when everyone got mad and Kyrie left and Horford left and Terry Rozier left and eventually Gordon Hayward left. And it just kind of soured everybody because people just weren't happy. That team was loaded with talent. It wouldn't be as loaded with talent as Tatum the way he is now and Durant, who is still awesome. But they were loaded with talent and things just went wrong from a personality standpoint. So there's a lot to consider here. Um, and like, if you're Brad Stevens, it would be a gamble. It would be bold and potentially it could either disrupt what you have built, which is really, really promising 
or it could push you over the top and send you to two straight titles and you could be going on parades the next couple of summers. So there's a lot to consider. It's just really, really complicated though. And like the more I think about it, the more it just kind of comes out in my head to like, holy God, it's Kevin Durant versus, well, they were really freaking good. <laughs> and disrupting that would be a gamble. And, and I, don't, I don't really know where I stand um, on, on doing it. If I were the Celtics, it would probably depend on what the final trade would look like. But even, even just putting Jalen alone into a, the trade framework would be, I think, a risk, even though clearly right now, uh, on this date, July 26, 2022, Kevin Durant is clearly a far superior basketball player to Jalen Brown. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think that the dynamic you mentioned with Tatum is, is especially interesting because it felt like the Celtics really settled into, like I, feel, I don't know if hierarchy is the right word, but it feels like they had a system where it was Tatum was the clear top guy, Jalen was the clear number two, and then they kind of had the role players around them, and everyone bought into their role, and I think that was definitely part of their success. And I think they're gonna, it's going to be fascinating to, to me to see how they kind of integrate Malcolm Brogdon in, who's been a starter the entire time, uh, or most of his career, uh, certainly over the last couple of seasons, and how he adapts to the six-man role. I, like... That I'm having the same like thing as you are. It's like, it's Kevin Durant. Like it's if you have a chance to get Kevin Durant, like everything says, you, he like I don't know. I was talking on my the other podcast I do today just about like the top five players in the league. I was like, 
KD's absolutely a top five player. The other people are arguing he's maybe not. I think you can have that debate. Um, maybe he's like top six or top seven, just given the injury history. But he's Kevin freaking Durant. But then there's the other part of me that just thinks like the Celtics got so close last year, and there's feels like they have a good chemistry going, and they pretty much added two solid bench pieces that will be tremendously helpful for them and didn't have to give up anything. And so they're running it back, which is just always fun because they got that close and like run it back, add some pieces, see what you can do. But there's another part of me just, I think from the fan perspective where it just feels like the quality of this may be a crazy talk, but like the quality of the championship, if it's, if they win it with, Jason Tatum, a guy they drafted. Jalen Brown, a guy they drafted. Marcus Smart, a guy they drafted. People who we've seen kind of grow up and uh, their games evolve as members of the Celtics. Um, it just feels like that's more meaningful feels weird because sports are not that meaningful. But it doesn't feel like more rewarding because you it's just like all of these guys, you're like, you're the hometown people, the guys you're drafted. And it's like you don't want to abandon what this team is building towards. And we've seen them. They had to go through the, the shitty Kyrie years. They had that Eastern Conference Finals run with the bubble with Kemba. They had to deal with broken Kemba. And, like, they, they're just building it back up. It does not – go ahead. Did it, did it bother you that when Kevin Garnett was acquired and won a championship? Like – was it not the same to you watching those teams because they weren't homegrown? It didn't. It just feels like more like a better team. Like it's just like it's, it's easier to root for the team that you've been rooting for. It didn't bother me uh, when Kevin Durant went to the Warriors just because it was like a, a fun, like basketball anomaly. But I do think if they, if I had a preference, it would be like to go with the hometown like guys and like it's definitely different where Kevin Durant's been a mercenary this whole time. That being said, if Kevin Durant, if he did become a member of the Celtics, I would immediately talk myself into being the biggest Kevin Durant fan there was. But like if you're asking me now if I had a preference between the homegrown team with the Jays and Marcus Smart versus mercenary Kevin Durant, I think the preference is winning a title with. Uh, the Jays and Marcus Smart just because, you know, like those are the guys we who brought us here. It is like watching them develop has been more fun. And, and I'm going to spin those quotes or those comments a different way because you talked about it from kind of a fan perspective of how meaningful the title would be if they did win a title. I'm, I'm going to just spin that toward just how much they've had to overcome and to get to the place that they got to last season where they were awesome during the second half of the season, like just kicked the shit out of teams through the second half of the season, were by far the best defensive team over the second half of the season, and then didn't play crisp basketball throughout the playoffs, but found ways to win until they got to the finals and ran into a team that has just won a ton of times before and knew how to win to a level that they didn't know how to win yet. Uh, to break that up now would be very costly after those guys have already lived through so much and had to learn so much. And Tatum and Brown and and Smart 
those guys have been through ups and downs and 500 seasons. Last year, they reached a point where they learned how to play together. They learned how to be on the same page. They learned how to play winning basketball on both ends of the court, which hasn't always been natural, I think, for Tame and Brown. Those guys are just scorers. They, they came into the league as scorers. And so learning how to be the facilitators, the playmakers, the guy that's, that everyone else rely upon took a lot for them. And, and now to get to the point where they reach the finals and they look ready to take the next step. And it's the NBA. Just because you make the finals one time does not mean you'll ever make it again. It doesn't mean that you're ready to win a championship the next year. But Tatum is 24. He was just first team all NBA. Jalen is 25. He just averaged 24 points per game in the playoffs for a team that reached the finals. Like, these guys are really freaking good, and they're really freaking young, and they're just starting to figure it out. So giving up on that now, even to get Kevin Durant, like, that's why it would be, to me, such a difficult decision is because of what the Celtics have right now. Because I think it's rare to find the camaraderie that they had the the growth that they had, and to do it at such a young age, 24 for Tatum, 25 for Brown, 20 for in the 20s for everybody outside of Al Horford and now Danilo Gallinari. That's a team that could be around for a long time, could compete for a long time, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are the type of franchise cornerstones that – you can build around for a long time and, and they've committed to growing and they've committed to, you know, coming together when things go wrong. And I think that's important too, because we see it a lot across the NBA that sometimes things happen and guys just crater teams, just crater. And those guys have argued with each other. They've, they've lost together. They've had brutal, brutal series losses. They've had, you know, highly publicized locker room brawls almost and and through it all they stayed together and came out on the other side and reached the finals and now to pull the plug on that would just be it would be risky because there's a lot there there's a lot that's already been built there's a lot more to build i think the like that's why i ultimately lean against the kd trade because like it is a team game, and I know like the the, the cliche is that you got to have a top five guy to win an NBA championship, but like team chemistry matters, and like and I think playing together and did we lose Packard? I think we lost Packard. I am going to bring on Aiden to the stage. What's up, Aiden? Hear me? How are you, man? Yes, sir. What's happening? Hey, man. I I agree with everything you're saying about this Durant stuff. I'm on the I'm on the side of uh I'm on the side of keeping the team together. Uh, I know there's two camps. It's Kevin Durant's a top five player for the next four years. I don't know. There's injury stuff. Uh, I want to talk about something that I feel like people have been ignoring, uh, which is what we can still do for like pretty cheap in the free agency. Uh, I've seen you talk about the backup big. You've mentioned, uh, I think, Dwight Howard and Boogie Cousins. 
I've seen very few people talk about Hassan Whiteside, and I don't really know why. Thoughts? Yeah, I just think he's not that good. <laughs> yeah, because he stinks, bro. He, he blocks. He blocks a lot of shots. Uh, he's he's a disinterested defender. He's a disinterested player. Um, he wouldn't be the worst backup big to have from a production standpoint. But I think from a standpoint of everything the Celtics are trying to build, I would not be sold on Hassan Whiteside. The way he plays, the the lack of focus. Uh, I just think like I would rather have Luke Cornett as my backup big man, and I'd I'd be cool with that. Uh, Celtics, I think it's more likely that they'll target that position later with the trade exceptions that they have. And go after, like, if they need a backup big, um, a worthy one, like, use one of those trade exceptions to get someone above Luke Cornette. But I, I just don't think Howard, Cousins, or Whiteside are, like, the type of players that Brad Stevens wants. Uh, so that's that's why I think there hasn't been too much talk about those. I love that we go from Kevin Durant talk to Hassan Whiteside talk. This is just elite podcasting. <laughs> am I am I back? Can you hear me now? No. Okay, I, I don't want know what happened, but apparently I just stopped when I was going on a long rant about how chemistry is important, and ultimately you don't trade for KD because God damn it, these guys are special. So as long as uh, we get that in there somewhere, uh, I'm happy. But I'm I'm. It was quite shocking to come back, and the first thing I heard was Hassan Whiteside, and. <laughs> Aiden, Aiden had DM'd me uh, earlier in the weekend saying that I had to call on him when, next time he went live because he had some hot takes, and he brought it with the hot takes. I was not expecting Hassan Whiteside to come. I just, I just love that like we were on a Kevin Durant roll, and then it's like, yeah, but like, what about Dwight Howard and Boogie and like the other guy that we're <laughs> talking about, Hassan motherfucking Whiteside? All right, Dan G, come on stage, baby. What's happening? Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Yep. Sweet. So I was thinking about this, and, and it's stuck in my mind. Um, Packard was talking about the um, the chemistry issues and how it's so rare in the NBA to find a hierarchy where you've got Tatum, he knows he's the number one guy. Jalen is like one of the best number two options in the league, and he just like he's happy with his role, I think, I feel like. And I just think Durant comes here and then – how long is it before he's a flight risk, you know? And I just think about, remember after the Brooklyn series last year when they swept us and there was that press conference where Durant just kept saying stuff like, I can't wait to be out of Boston. Can't wait to like not come back here. So glad we're done with the city. And I'm just like, I don't know. I just, I, I think Jalen will stay longer and I think that he's happier here, but maybe we've already upset that balance anyway. But yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting situation because... Obviously, Jalen has just two years left on his contract. And from everything that I've heard, like, there's there's nothing that would force him away from Boston. Um, obviously, they just reached the finals. Obviously, he just had a really good year, although he fell short of the All-Star game. That was because he missed a lot of time early in the season, and the Celtics were doing great at that point. Like, he got more opportunities last year. Um, from an individual standpoint, he's 
probably pretty happy with how things are gone, even though Tatum gets more shine than he does. I don't think – like, where is there a place where Jalen could go and be, like, the absolute top dog and still win games? Like, I don't know. I don't know if there, there is a spot um, like that. And I'm not saying that to diminish what he does because he's very good, but at the same time, like, he's in a really good place. But Sacramento? Would Jalen be the top dog in Sacramento? You, you did put the caveat and still win games on there, and that makes it very difficult to find him a team. Hey, the Kings are all right. But, but, so I think, I think he's at least pretty happy at Boston, from, from what I get the sense. Uh, and, but, but because of the contract situation, because his extension offer is not a maxed extension, you're probably not going to be able to sign him to a deal that's concrete until he hits free agency. And so it's tough to know for sure that he's going to stay. And Durant, as, as old as he is, as, as much of a flight risk as he may be in other ways because he can ask for a trade, he has four more years left on his deal. So that is an interesting wrinkle to this. Um, and I don't think it should be the driving force behind the Celtics' decision or anything like that. But it is just another interesting wrinkle. And I, like John Hollinger wrote today, if, if Jalen Brown was just max extension eligible, he would probably sign on this, this offseason. And it'd be fine, and they'd move forward, you know. But, but instead, um, he's not at this moment in time. And so, so I don't want to say that's hanging over the Celtics' head because that seems ominous. But it, it is something that the Celtics have to at least take into account that uh, that he probably will not sign an extension just because they cannot offer him his full max. They can only offer him a 120% raise on the final year of his current deal, which would be like $6 million short of his full max in the first year. And if he hits a super max, that, that could be even wider than that. So the contract situation is definitely like – it's interesting. Um, and it's something that the Celtics have to keep in mind. But again, I, I don't think it's like the driving force of any Boston interest in this. The driving force, to the extent they are interested, is Kevin Durant is freaking good. <laughs> He's freaking awesome. He's a Hall of Famer and one of the, what, 15 best players ever? That might even be not giving him enough credit. I don't know. How much do you think that, like, these rumors and the fact that Jalen was in the AD rumors and the fact that Jalen was in Kawhi rumors, like run the risk of pissing him off. Like the, these reports came out, what, pretty early Monday morning. How quickly was Brad who didn't mention any of this when I had my nice little, uh, you know, meeting with him uh, last week. When you stalked him at the playground? Yeah. For some reason, he was not forthcoming with information then. He didn't mention that he was in open negotiations with the Nets. But this comes out. Shams reports, reports it. Woj like, reports it shortly after. Like, it's his first call to Jalen Brown. He's just like, what, is it, what do you even say there? Like, look, JB, it's Kevin Durant. Like, you were the cornerstone of the package. Like that's that's respect right there. It's not like we we didn't offer you. We we had to offer you because we you had, we had to match uh, talent with Kevin Durant. Like what? Is, how do you explain this if you're Brad Stevens? 
and that, uh, this also fuels my conspiracy theory that this was absolutely just leaked by Sean Marks. Uh, I don't know exactly why or how it affects the Kevin Durant trade market, but it doesn't seem like the type of thing the Celtics would want uh, out there. Oh yeah, I think if you're Brad, you call Jalen and tell him no. This is this is not what happened. I don't care if it's true, if it's a lie, whatever. That's what you say if you're Brad Stevens. Nope, we're, we're not offering you out there. Uh, we are very content with our team, which is in the finals, and we want to keep you around for a long time. That, that's that's what you say if you're Brad Stevens. Uh, but that's part of the reason why this is, you know, such a such a complicated dis- discussion is because there are factors beyond like what, what if you dangle Jalen Brown and are really serious about it and the Nets just choose Brandon Ingram and a heap of picks from the Pelicans instead or at the end like you get close to the finish line with with Jalen Brown and an offer and then wham bam there's Scotty Barnes on the table from the Raptors and they decide to Trump Boston's offer that way. Like, that could happen. And I don't think Jalen should feel disrespected by being in trade rumors for Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, and Kevin Durant. At the end of the day, like, the Celtics valued him highly enough that they didn't trade him for Kawhi Leonard. You know? Like, you can spin that the other way, too. Like, oh, you're going to feel disrespected? Well, you were in trade t- trade rumors for, like, Jimmy Butler and shit, and they never traded you. <laughs> they have shown a lot of faith in you the whole time. Uh, but I, I also understand that from his perspective, you know, he's, he's made one all-star team, and he probably feels like he should have several more of them suckers. He probably – certainly after going to the finals um, – he probably feels like he's one of the best two-way wings in the league, and, and he is. Um, but he, he may also feel like he hasn't had the individual success that his talent, that his production, that his the level that he's won at dictate he should to this point in his career. And so if, if any of that stuff bothers him, I would understand it. Because, like... Tatum's the one making first-team All-NBA. Tatum is the one who made All-NBA before. Tatum is the one who's made the, the All-Star game however many years running. And and Jalen's made the All-Star team once. And that's it. So I would understand if he's frustrated about some of that stuff. But I also think he, he understands that that he's in a really good place with the Celtics. He clearly has a lot of respect for Ime Udoka. Like he and Ime really connected last year from even when the day the Celtics were whatever they were, it was horrible. Under five hundred in January. You know, Jalen was saying, you know, how much he appreciates Ime Doka, how how good a coach Ime Doka had been. Like he was unwavering with his support of all that stuff and trying to get on the same page with everyone else. Um so I don't think I don't think his future is something the Celtics should be super worried about. And, and I don't think that's something that, that should dictate how they, how they approach negotiations in the, the Durant stuff. I guess if, if you do trade him, it's because you think Kevin Durant is going to be going to give you a title or two or three or however, 
however many, um, you don't do it because you're worried about Jalen Brown, at least the way I see it. You mentioned Ime, and I was just thinking, like, I like pretty happy that he is the coach to be able to deal with like this potential situation. It's like if Jalen Brown is upset, I feel like Hardo Ime is like, come on, Jalen, stop being an asshole. It's Kevin Durant. Like, of course, your name got just like uh, mentioned in trade rumors. Get over it. Play some defense and stop turning the goddamn basketball over. And like, let's go. I think Hardo Ime. One, just as a player uh, in the league and someone who, like, uh, it seems the Celtics roster uh, respects immensely, I feel like he's more than capable of dealing with any potential, you know, hurt feelings in July. I just, I, uh, I maybe it's just me being overly optimistic, but I just don't, one, since Jalen's been through kind of trade rumors before, I just don't think it's something that's, like, necessarily going to derail the team, especially a team that seemingly had such great chemistry at the, at the end of last season. Yeah. By the way, Jason Tatum picked a hell of a time to go to uh, the the premiere of Kevin Durant's Showtime movie Point Guard. <laughs> he didn't know. He made City. these plans weeks ago. <laughs> I know. It is a hell of a time to show up and and watch Kevin Durant's uh, movie. Durant, I believe, is a producer for that that flick. So yeah. But Tatum said, Tatum, uh, when he asked about the team, he said he loved her, uh, the team yeah. right now and didn't want to get involved in speculation. <laughs> don't, don't mind me. I'm just here to support Kevin, but I love <laughs> our team. It, it is funny. It is funny. And I, I don't want to read into it anything serious because... Someone from his PR team has got to tell him, like, no pictures with KD tonight. Like, you are just not allowed... To be like you can you can say hi, but there's no way there's going to be a photo on the internet of you and Kevin Durant standing next to each other. That just cannot get out right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it is hilarious. The whole thing's hilarious. <laughs> like he shows up to, to support Kevin Durant now. Like, do you think do you think he had any? discussion about like just not going maybe we don't just, go just texting kevin like sorry man can't come tonight like i don't want to have that look during, like right now during this week of all week do you think he asked jalen if it was cool for him to go to the uh documentary he is like hey man um going to kd's thing tonight just to let you know do you think he gave jalen a heads up I I don't know, but it is uh that is quite quite incredible timing, honestly, for for the the movie premiere. Kevin Durant uh, declined to speak to reporters, I guess, uh, and Tatum just kind of said that it's not his decision. He loves the Celtics. He loves the guys the Celtics have, and uh, that's about it. So, (laughs) the NBA is hilarious, man. The NBA is wild because if this KD Jalen rumor doesn't come out, I don't know what we talked about this week. Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, We would have been talking a lot about Hassan Whiteside and the (laughs) big man option. We would have expanded so hard on Aiden's question. (laughs) We would have done a a thorough-by-thorough film breakdown of 
Hassan Whiteside, Dwight Howard, and DeMarcus Cousins and how they fit with the Celtics. But instead, we can talk about KD and Jalen for, uh, you know, close to 40 minutes. And I, I think it is summertime, so we should finish off with a uh, goofy podcast game. Uh, I sent you. Paul Pierce was at Point Gods as well, I go. Oh, well, that changes everything. Well, so I got Paul, the whole crew out. There. Well, in, in Las Vegas Summer League, Paul Pierce and um, Nick Friedman met for the first time and chopped it up. So, what does that mean? Not much. Not much. <laughs> Just as much as Paul Pierce being at point guards. But let's do this build a lineup. Seth Partnow of The Athletic comes out with his tiers every NBA offseason. Is like instead of ranking players, he just puts them in tiers. It seems like a more fair way to do things. And the athletic today tweeted out one of those classic like build your lineup. Normally it's like use $15 and do it, but this time they just said build one player. What pick one player from each of the tiers? And they only included five guys from each of the tiers, so it's kind of limited. But I thought Jay and I could do a little snake draft and we'll figure out who is the uh, who knows ball the most and who is the best player. So, Jay, do you want first pick? All right, or so second let, let's start with tier five. Oh, let's starting start with, with tier five. five. I'll I'll give you the first pick, and I'm going to list out first the guys in tier five, so that the listeners know who we're picking from. Uh, Alex Caruso, Lou Dort, Keldon Johnson, Kyle Kuzma, and Julius Randle. That's a tough so one. I was I was going into your this. pick first preparing uh, the tier one, but your way does make more sense. Um, man, how far has Julius Randle fallen? Uh, that's my first comment. Definitely not picking him. Definitely not picking Kyle Kuzma. I think it's down to Caruso and the guy I'm going to end up actually picking, Kelvin Johnson. It, uh, you know what? Just a solid player, getting better every year. Might average over like 24 points a game, now being the best player on the Spurs. I think that's, the, that's my pick in tier five. I'm so happy you didn't pick Caruso because he was my my automatic pick from Tier 5. I love the way Caruso plays. I think he has a spot on any roster. Uh, and now it's my turn for Tier 4. So Tier 4 for the listeners is Tyrese Maxey, Desmond Bain, Mikhail Bridges, Scotty Barnes, and Evan Mobley. And, and this, this one's kind of tough because... There are some guys, the young guys especially, Barnes and Mobley and Maxi. Like, those guys could be awesome next year. And Bridges and Bain are already really good. Like, if it was based on last year, I would pick either Bridges or Bain. But I'm going Scotty Barnes. Oh, damn it, that's who I wanted. Yeah, I got, I got Scotty Barnes. He's a beast. He's huge. Every time I look at it, I'm like, holy God. Like, he's, he's almost LeBron size. You just, he's a specimen. This is interesting now because I have to, like, map out my picks. Because positions get interesting, and I have to try and figure out who I think you're going to take in the next tiers because I get the first pick in tier three, and now I guess the first pick in tier one. So I got to try to figure this out. I was wanting Scotty Barnes, but... I'm also going to go with a young guy. I just like Evan Mobley. Uh, he's just fun player to watch. He can block shots. And um, 
hopefully comes back next year and is uh, huge. And uh, yeah, no, I think I think Evan Mo like the young guys are just like more fun. Desmond Bain, his arms are way too short, negative wingspan. You're not going to catch me picking a sixer and maxi. He's got that JK wingspan. <laughs> I mean, you guys both you, you can both shoot, but I don't. I'm not picking you for my my tier four representative. And then Bridges is just a phenomenal defensive player, but he's just not a two-way guy. And it's not like Evan Mobley's an amazing offensive creator, but I just like what he uh, does out there. Tier three is Drew Holiday, Donovan Mitchell, the man of the hour, Jalen Brown, Carl Anthony Towns, and Bam Adebayo. Your your pick. Uh, we lost. Here for a second. Hello, Jay King. Holla if you hear me. I can hear you now. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry who, about that. Who'd you pick for my tier three? I'm going with Bam Adebayo. Oh wow! Pairing him with Mobley. Him, Mobley, Kelvin Johnson. My team's going to be huge. Um, I don't believe in Donovan Mitchell, uh, and. Actually, I, I immediately don't like that pick, uh, but you know what? I said it. Chess piece is down. Your pick. I got Jalen. Oh, wow. Such a homer. I just <laughs> – I, I, I do not love Carl Towns' game. Uh, he's very good. Um, and then Mitchell, I just think Jalen's bigger and – better defensively, and Drew Holiday. I love Drew Holiday, but I just feel like he's not as good a shooter. And he hasn't always been able to carry over his efficiency into the offseason, which Jalen Brown typically has, which is pretty important to me. So, Jalen it is. Now I'm going to really sound like a homer. (laughs) (laughs) Tier 2 is Trey Young, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler and Anthony Davis. And uh, I'm going with Jason Tatum. I think it's the right pick. Like, I think he's clearly the best player out of that uh, five players. Well, J- Jimmy Butler kicked the Celtics' ass for a few games in that series. Uh, Anthony Davis is freaking awesome when he's healthy, but he's just not healthy, which clearly factored into my decision. Uh so, yeah, I went with Tatum. And he should still be growing. Like, that's the thing. He's not a complete package yet. So, for my next pick, considering I have so much size already and basically have my front court set, I'm going to go with Devin Booker. Uh, Ooh, Booker over Jimmy Butler. I just don't respect I, – I, I guess you needed at least one shooter on your team. Well, no, I'm, you know, I'm about to pick up another one on uh, <laughs> Tier 1. But Jimmy Butler, uh, you know what? If he had made that three in Game 7, maybe I, maybe I would have picked him. But um, I, I can't pick a sixer. I can't pick anyone from Heat culture. It's just part of my own personal rules. And so that means I have first pick in Tier 1, which is Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron, Kevin Durant, and Jokic. And... Initially, when I thought we were starting with Tier 1, my first pick was going to be Jokic. Um, just because I like uh, a, a chunky dime slinger. 
uh, and like wait, like I feel like there's a lot of value at the big, but then you really threw me off, and I end up with Mobley and Adebayo. So I'm just gonna go ahead and pick uh, pick Steph. Uh, you know what? Steph's pretty good, and I feel like I have a giant front court, and then two excellent shooters in the back court. Uh, I, I have a chance at these two. Yeah. So my dilemma right now is. Do I continue just being all wings? Yeah, you don't have a big or uh, at all, really. So you, I like. I don't have a big or really a point guard. Well, <laughs> I mean, Caruso, I Caruso guess can handle of... it a little bit. Tatum handles it a lot. Uh, so do I go with Kevin Durant and just keep it wing centric, or do I go with Jokic and have him? Rule the world as what about Doncic? What about Doncic as a as like the point forward? Yeah, I could do that too. I'm I'm going with Jokic. I'm not going to overthink this. He's a two time MVP. I need a center. Uh, He would get Tatum and Brown so many easy bucks. Oh my God! Imagine Scotty Barnes (laughs) cutting off Jokic. Uh, All right. So tell me your team. my team is Jokic, Tatum, Brown, Scotty Barnes, and Caruso. My team is Steph, yours is Steph Curry. Curry, Booker, Bam, Evan Mobley, and Keldon Johnson. You know what? I, this is like annoying. I, you yeah, think you have better team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my team's legit. I spent a while researching that. This this afternoon after you sent it to me, just trying to uh, figure out who I was going to pick. And, it's completely uh, unfair because I'm the homer and I'm the Celtics fan. And he just took the two Celtics, and it's like, well, yeah, no, I'm, I clearly uh, am biased towards that team. But I just love the idea of Tatum and Brown playing with Jokic, and then you have Scotty Barnes, who's a freak, and Caruso, who really all he actually does is like be gritty and play defense. Like, you don't need him to be, off, like, amazing offensively. It feels like my team's a little bit more disjointed. And, like, what's – if Curry and Booker are going to be able to share the ball, you know, Evan ba- Mobley and Bam might not be the best fit together. I, you know what? Hand up. I messed up. I lost. Jay, congratulations. You you won the first athletic tiers build-your-lineup competition on NP Audible. I love that you just admitted defeat immediately after picking the squads. I mean, I think if we started tier one going down, it would have been different. But you know what? Like, maybe we'll do that next week. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> I'm just a better GM. What can I say? Maybe I got to find Brad one more time and ask him his advice because uh, I don't know <laughs> what else to do. You just thoroughly beat me at the game that I suggested we play. Well done, Jay King. That's why you are the kid, the god, the legend. Uh, I have one last question for you. Um, is stalking Brad Stevens uh, potable? Is this the second straight week you've asked that? No, second straight last podcast week, you've asked that question to end it off? No, no. Last week we just talked about your uh, how great your uh, fiancé was for even uh, entertaining the idea of marrying you. Yeah, that's that's also fair. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, uh, stocking Brad Stevens is bottom. Literally, if you guys don't get it at this point, 
anything is potable. Like that is the whole thing we've been trying to tell you. Anything is potable. That's all we're trying to say. Get with the program here. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.